Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Ankle Pickers. Round two, we get it done. Country Club Muffin. So usual suspects. We got Country Club Kobe. Muffin early. How are we, Country? Fantastic. That's what I like to hear, golf boy. And we got Dank Wagers Longhorn MMA Texas underscore better. How are we? You positive last weekend? UFC 279? Uh, quick mini sweep. What up? What up? I mean, guys, if you are a regular listener, it's honestly, this kid's on an incredible run right now. And we love to see it. So I guess we'll start, Dan, since you had an incredible run. Let's rewind, do a little UFC 279 recap. We're going to sprinkle in a little Tuesday Night Contender Series recap. We'll let uh, Country Club Kobe have his time in the sun with news and notes, which is it lengthy today, Country Club? Or are we sitting? Not super lengthy. No. Okay. Not super lengthy. And then Danny and I will break down our best bets for this week's card, Sandhagen Song and Dong. But let's start first with UFC 279 recap. And Danny and I, by the skin of our nutsack, hit the ankle lock. <laughs> Johan Lanessi over Darian Weeks, split decision. I was sweating something awful. I put way too much on this. Dan, you spearheaded this one. Explain. Yeah, you know, it was a little bit more greasy than we thought, but. Uh... Weeks was ass. I mean, Lioness didn't even have to land 30 strikes to get the job done. And I, I called Reese before they read the scorecards, and I was pretty confident that he had won two of the rounds. Reese was less so, but, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll take it. That's, that's no, we all we really needed. we take that. Yeah, but I, I Danny called me, and, I, and we're, I think we're both a little tipsy. We're both sweating it out. Hilarious conversation. Wish we had that recorded. I got some stats. What's up, Country Club? I got some stats. Ankle lock moves to 19 and seven in 2022. Ridiculous. Eight and one since we transitioned to the new game, which is the second half of the year. And we're sitting in second place, one unit back. We're up 30.32 units since what? Like I think July started. Yeah, we've been, it's been ridiculous. It's been, we caught fire. And honestly, Cap, I want to toot my own horn, but hats off to Danny because he spearheaded a couple of these. And although they might not have been as smooth as we liked, we've been hitting them all with flying colors. So no I, pictures on the scorecard. We're wins a win. Wins a win. No, I want to cap my I want to give my hat off to Dan because I really have been following his lead here for these ankle locks. Cheers. It's been fun. Let's keep yeah. that momentum rolling because yeah. I'm going to worry about place. it. Not worried about it. Elise Reed, science hits pretty easy. Uh, I did actually lay this on track. I mean, science is science. I, who am I? Uh, Al Tang Haley against Chad and Hellinger. I mean, dude, a lot of the whole public was on Al Tang Haley and it, it looked, I mean, he dominated. I didn't really see any point where I was worried for him. Um, but I, I think this is more of a, and Hellinger ain't it than it is. I'm all in on Al Tang Haley. See it differently. No, I, I see the exact same. And I think, I think Dan just muted himself. Yeah, Dan, did you just Axel mute yourself? You just went dead silent. Can't hear you. Technical difficulties. 
Look at that. Dan on his not Apple products, and it's just muck and barn. One of these days. We heard him start to say that it's more of a fade and Hellinger than it is team Altang Haley. Country Club, you might want to jot this down. I don't know if we're going to put all this in. <laughs> now nah, we're going. Zoom crept out on me. Sorry, listeners. No, maybe. maybe. But yeah, no, it, yeah, I, think, what I think it's what we were saying about uh, Ann Helliger on uh, last week's episode in the, the Essie Strader win. There were moments there where it looked just so, so sketchy. We are testing the capacity of Zoom yeah. right now. You were a little bit choppy there, but we got you back, Dan. We, we need to start getting ad reads so Danny can get a real computer. Okay. <laughs> Norma Dumont at 145 against Danielle Wolf, the newcomer from Contender Series. She's a champion boxer, but as she found out the hard way, it doesn't necessarily translate. Um, Norma looked good, but I also not like this isn't it didn't show me anything. I don't know if you feel any differently. No, I, I didn't think it was the, it was going to be the toughest test for her. It was like you said, a really inexperienced MMA fighter, as much fight experience as Danielle has. And then we had probably the fan favorite fun fight of the night. Chris Barnett actually TKO ground and bounds Jake Collier. Collier gasses himself out. And from there, it was just. It was, I don't know. I don't even know what to make of this fight. I think both these guys, especially at heavyweight, can be rostered still. Um, but they are far from having a number next to their name. Guess who was on? Chris Barnett. This guy has two yeah. thumbs. I almost did Chris Barnett KOTKO, and I didn't. I should have. Um, but there you go. Yeah, Barnett adds another highlight reel to his thing. Dennis Tullulian, the fade Jamie Pickett train country club, just continues to roll. I got him plus 110. Ended up doing two units. Was never worried. Um, I don't know if Tullulian – Tullulian seems like more of a zombie to me, a guy who's going to march forward and, and look to put your lights out. But the fact of the matter is, as much as Jamie Pickett looks the part and as jacked as he is, just ain't it. He's had no success in the UFC since coming over the, from the contender series. I think this now makes him two, two and four in his last six after the contender series and a couple questionable losses too. So I don't know. We'll see. They might give him another chance still, but uh, Dennis Tullulian definitely made quick work of him. Jalton Almeida submission, rear naked choke over Anton Turkali and Dan I think sprinkled the Turkali part. I think um, Dan, did you sprinkle Turkali? And I think he defended well. It just to me, Jalton Almeida is just too much. Is Dan there or is he just frozen bank wagers? Okay. Might be doing and, this one without him. I don't yeah. think he sprinkled Turkali after all. Uh, okay. Watching with him. We talked a little bit about the over one and a half, which I don't know if we ended up playing, but yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah, it looks, looks like he's a real deal. And the way I look at this too is I don't think like Turkali defended really well. He stayed patient. Like, I think if they gave him someone other than an absolute killer, he could have success in the UFC. Uh, I just think Jalton, Almeida. Okay. And that's the first bonus. 
first bonus. Barnett probably would have gotten one, but he missed weight, so he was ineligible. Mm, I cannot believe he missed weight. The second interesting tidbit: second time someone's missed weight in UFC history at heavyweight. Sorry, that was a bad. It really only the second time at heavyweight. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you miss two fifty five? I know. <laughs> he didn't miss by much. It was one of those things that, like, you know, he probably could have gotten back in he there. Probably could have, but hey, he's back. I think maybe he's got the pilot headphones back on. So who knows? I'm going to keep rolling. And if he chimes in, he chimes in. I, Country Club, total misread by me here. Hakeem Dawadu got absolutely smoked by Julian Arosa. All three rounds, all three went to Arosa, all three pretty effortlessly. I think this one, though, was a combination of Julian Arosa in his best peak form mixed with Dawadu underperforming. I tailed you, lost, I'm never sorry. had a chance in this one, I but, know. you know. I'm sorry. I really, nice. I, if it makes you feel any better, busted a couple of my parlays. I, I don't know what happened here. Mina Keem is like, looking back at his record, I mean, maybe I overvalued him. A couple split, close split decisions. Julian Arosa is a gritty veteran. I Bad, bad misread on my part. Bad bets are allowed though, but man, that one was tough for me. Main card, Dan, you back with us? No, no, head shake. So, submission, rear naked choke, Johnny Walker versus Ian Kutalaba. Is it safe to say that Johnny Walker is back? You know, I, I, I think he might be back. I don't know. I don't, I don't put too much weight into the Ian Kutalaba win, but he looked good. You know, first round sub, bonus. I thought he looked great. Like, and I, I don't know. Like, if you ask this time 24 months ago, Johnny Walker was on track to, like, title contention. I don't think he's back to that by any means. No, I agree. He's formidable in the division. I don't know. So let me ask you a better question then. Do you think that the stigma around Johnny Walker not having a chin or, or being – We talked about this last week. He just got absolutely brutalized by some world-class, like, power. Yeah. Corey Anderson – going to happen to anybody yeah. that's going up against world-class power like that. Yeah, I, I think that the line I, – I laid the one plus 165. Did you find yourself yep. on there? Yeah. I, knew I was we did on that. all these dogs this week. Yeah, I knew we kind of talked through that, the – Dawadu and Rosa. But I think looking back, that's going to be the be- one of the better prices we ever get on Johnny Walker as far as yep. like value goes. I said 50K for Walker. Did I mention that? No, you did not. So 50K for Walker, yeah. 50K for Jalton. Yep. This one – I don't think is 50. Well, so is it question four performance bonuses or is there a fight of the night Four performance bonuses? I think this is going to be one because of how crazy this was. Arena Aldana KOT kill over to Macy Chison. I got smoked here on a live bet. I took Macy Chison live. She minus looks one. good. What? She looks good. I'm not surprised. Yeah, she looked, at the end of round two, she looked really good and she was winning round three and it was up to like minus 260 or 320 or something and then arena aldana lands an up kick to the liver that just absolutely fold folded me you ever seen an up kick to the liver no no it's kind of cool and i think the broadcast was talking about how this kind of like the lower calf kick might be a new i mean everyone off their back aims for the chin maybe you just hammer heal that liver i mean I mean, I've never seen, I mean, I have seen people fold like that, but oh my gosh. I mean, instant fold. Cause if you ask anybody who's sparred or fought or 
and has gotten kicked there, they will tell you it is the single most painful injury you could have. It, in like it, the split second, it kills. I believe it. You were right so, though. Fifty k. Yeah, fifty k. I imagined. Split decision. Daniel Rodriguez versus Jingling. Jingling. Hold on, hold on. We gotta we gotta talk through a little bit of what happened before we got to this matchup. Okay. Now we're at the last three. Okay. We had we had what the press conference canceled because guys going mad at backstage. Yep. That was Thursday night. Yep. Friday weigh-ins. Shit hits the fan. We got Hamzat missing weight by nine pounds. Yep. We got. I don't know. We mentioned a couple other mate was weight misses. Yeah, but none affected this fight. Dawadu was one. It was, was one. It was Nate Diaz that was basically saying, "I'm not going to fight ten pounds overweight, Hamzat." Right. And we got all three fights rearranged there. We did. So the initial bookings were Hamzat Diaz, Ferguson, Li Jingliang, and D Rod Kevin Holland. It got remixed up, and it was. Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, Hamzat, Kevin Holland, D-Rod, Lee Jingliang. Now, Lee got extra fucked. And totally here's, fucked. here's why. He made 170. D-Rod uh, only needed to make 180 for Kevin Holland. So the bout took place at 180. And he got a split decision, which we can talk about in a second. And they actually moved him out of the Walter Waite rankings and D-Rod in, which... Also seem kind of messed up. Um, also, no extra pay, Lee mentioned, um, which also seems kind of unfair. But now it comes to the split decision, which everyone thinks is the worst part of it all. Lee Jingliang lost a split decision to Daniel Rodriguez. I'll be honest, I did have it for D-Rod, but... The scorecards were all over the board. Yeah. It's we, had, we, had, we had one judge give 10-9, 10-9, 9-10 for D-Rod. And another judge give 10, 9, 10, 9, 9, 10 for Leach. Like literally every single round they were on yeah. the other side of each other. I think I went 10, 9 D-Rod, 10, 9 Leach, 10, 9 D-Rod. And it, and it, I could see why people thought the Leach might've won, but in my opinion, D-Rod was landing the more devastating shots, but also pushing the pressure. And the rounds were so close that I went to octagon control and pressure as you're supposed to do. Uh, but it seems like I was in the small minority for that. Um, so outside I the- I hate the ultimate decision. I just hate how fucked Leech got all week. Yeah, it sucks. It was a weekend from hell from the Leech. So before we get into the co-main, Danny, are you with us? I think so. Can y'all hear he me? He is. Let's, Let's go. go. Pull back. So recap the recap for Dank Wagers. All you missed is we went over the performance bonuses. Aldana 50K. One more. One more performance bonus. I'll Johnny done. Walker, 50K. Almeida, 50K. And we just talked about the whole saga with Leach and everything. And now we're on Chemayev Holland main of, or co-main event. Two minutes and 13 seconds is all this one lasted. Kevin Holland had really good scrambles. I just think that when a guy is two moves ahead of you all the time, it's hard to, I don't know, continue to scramble out of that. I mean... Kevin Holland, although he's a Travis Luter black belt, which is a which is a huge accomplishment within itself, the wrestling has been his issue. And this fight being at 180, not 170, against a guy, an absolute mauler, um, who clearly didn't cut that much weight either. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think Hamzat lost a lot of fans this weekend, but no matter what, you cannot deny this man's talent. Holy smokes. Yeah, um, for sure. I think you said it. Hamzat was just a couple steps ahead of him. And it's hard to grapple against a guy like Hamzat when he doesn't have to cut, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I know so a lot of people learned a little bit about the saga of him missing weight by that amount. And, it, and I don't know if I buy it, but. Well, he didn't do himself any favors. Apparently what happened per Dana and per Hamzat was he was cutting weight. They had to call in a doctor who basically told him to stop cutting weight and you need to stop cutting weight now. And so he wasn't going to make it. And so obviously by the time they came to weigh-ins, he was, you know, not even close, but I still don't think it's that like he got to, he got to blimp back up, you know, up those nine pounds the same way everyone else does just, you know, a couple hours prior to when everyone else got to. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's like fair, and he also didn't show any remorse for it or like have it. He didn't prove himself any sympathy, but like, I'm just acting a little bit of method to it. You're acting like he did get to 170. Like, no, he He was on his way down to 170. And then he told, right. But he didn't cut past 78 or 77. Oh, I bet you he did. I don't know, man. I don't know, but I guess we'll never know. I bet you he was closer to 170 than 178 when he finally weighed in. I would take he told him to stop cutting weight the night before. I would take that bet. Yeah, exactly. So the weight cut barely even started. A lot of guys cut. But then once he knows he's not going to make weight, he basically starts drinking water and like rehydrating himself. Yeah, I guess. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think the way he handled it is where he went awry. I think it's a mistake to put him back in a 170 fight anytime soon. I think the next fight has so to be a 185. That is what I was going to say. And the reason why I mentioned that is everyone, a lot of polls in the MMA community, they're asking, what's his next fight? Do you know what I noticed? Everyone's list was people at 185. I think it has to be. Yeah. I mean, even at 170, though, who does he have left outside of uh, – I mean, Covington is one that a lot of people are calling for. I'd love to see Gilbert again. I mean, run that back five rounds. I would I, love to I, see that. I think you could pay-per-view main event it. I also think people are starting to realize how good and undervalued Gilbert really is. I mean, this was another fight where Kamzat's really opponent landed zero significant strikes. And it's crazy. A guy like Kevin Holland. You saw what he can do even in terms of strikes from his back. He's one of the only people I've seen get knockouts, and it's over Jacare Souza. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I know that we as a podcast are huge on Dorino, but this is just another reason why you should be. Okay. Main event, Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz mentioned that he's going to – he will eventually come back to the UFC. Not anytime soon, though. Tony's post-fight speech didn't make any sense to me. Um, he like was acting like he was in prime form, even though he looked horrible. Uh, and then also, I was so shocked Tony tapped. I've never seen Tony tap before. I mean, you see him in that freaking armbar that he almost let dislocate. This one, he kind of gave in. I, I'm not sure. It must I think, have been real tight. That's That was my only No, I mean, Tony goes to sleep. I don't know. I yeah. love that it was right at 209. Did you see that? Uh, I did. The ref came and stopped it right at 209. It was a perfect just one muscle up for Nate Diaz storybook ending to and who all he the, was. Uh, all the under tickets cash at that four and a half. I mean, I, I really as bad as this card was for a pay-per-view up and down, 
we got a couple really good finishes and but i don't know i mean tony is done in my opinion uh it sucks too because in my i do you think- really think that this is the last we see of him no i don't at all no 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 they're gonna give him the cowboy Cerrone treatment yeah oh for sure yeah. I, I think he has wins in the octagon left in him but i don't think really i don't think he's challenging for anything i won't it's lie just- after this performance dan i actually don't know who he's beating were you really that yeah. on him or like there was a time that Kobe and I were sitting there discussing and we did end up live we, betting. We live bet Tony after three. No, and no, and, and that's fine. But you also have to remember like Nate Diaz brings way more name value than he does like actual, like he's one of the lower in the 170. If you re- like, let's be real. I don't know. I think the toughness that he brings is second to none and those leg kicks and calf kicks that tony landed for 15 yeah. full minutes would chop down a lesser man for sure the game like, plan was still there el kukui was still there no but that's the nails. point is like for example like leech in my opinion beats both these guys yeah but leech is is not like a throwaway name hold on i actually want to do this really quickly wait one second i have a fun little game we're gonna play in the meantime, Nate took 50K home bonus, last bonus. Yeah, I figured because they're not going to give it to Hamza, right? And we also had the crypto bonus. Oh, scraps. They're calling it retooled. They're bringing it back at some point, but we were never a fan of that. So that's not surprising to see. So does, let's play a game. Does Nate Diaz or Tony Ferguson beat? Let's just do we're Tony because otherwise it gets two, we're doing two names. No, no Tony or Nate. I mean, like. This is my or fine, Tony. I see what you're saying, but I was saying, but Tony, does he beat Michelle Pereira? No. no. Does he beat Ponzinibbio? No. Randy Brown? No. I think. All right, so that's 16 on Tapology list. Let's go down just a couple more names. Fine. Alex Morono, Tim Means, Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos, Nico Price. Those are all top 25 names according to Tapology. I think he loses every one of those fights. Wow. I think I really do. He's just a fucking weirdo. He can easily beat any of those guys. He no. can easily be like Gunner Gunner Nelson smokes him. Jack Delamento. No way. Dude, I him. oh my gosh. I'll take I'll take El Kikui over Gunner. Jack really? De, uh, Jack Dela, I Done. agree. Done. Um if that ever happens, if if we ever get El Kikui Gunner, El Kikui Zaleski, El Ronaldo gets smoked by Kikui. Oh dude. Semi the Jedi semi the Jedi, I take Kikui. Oh, I don't take Kakui over any of them. Baeza, I take Kakui. I don't Kukui take Lizaz, I, I think Kukui I'm closer to double Danny. down. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm shocked. I do not take I don't have a real strong opinion over a lot of those guys, but I'm, I still have faith that Tony puts up he a fight against almost all those names. Horrible on the feet. His only success he had was the leg kicks, which were impressive. But again, like I think people are putting way too much stock in what in Nate Diaz's name. I think than you're like, putting way too little stock in, in what Tony actually did in the octagon. I don't think I, you're, you're saying that it was a really bad performance and that's not what I saw. He turned I think his that's back. This was, this performance to me, wasn't two men like looking to advance their careers in fighting. It was two men looking to put on Nate a show, Diaz which is the one who turned his back. Wait, wait, what are you what? talking about? Tony? El- are you kidding me? El Kukui turned his back like maybe 30 times. I don't know, man. His corner, his corner, direct quote, 
Stop turning your back, Tony. Tony's next move. I'm going to turn my fucking back. I'm not even kidding. He gave him his back 30 times. But what, Danny, I'm forgetting what the quote was, but he's so like out of position that it's impossible to like turn those out of position into anything. Yeah. Somebody said that on the broadcast, maybe. He's also like an Iminari roll away from being away. But like still, like I'm just, it's just like. That's kind of what I'm saying though. Like he's going to put up a fight against a lot of those names because sure. it's just. But like, weird. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I just think names carry a lot of weight in this sport, but I'm sitting on the more like, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Can I wrap this up with some women's dog stats? Sure. Go ahead. Actually, we'd love that. Yeah. It's been a few weeks since we've had the updated numbers here, but I, I just got to keep where we're at. So we went one and two this week, but only one and one by the science method that we're talking about where we're staying away from favorites over minus 350. Um, every women's dog all year, including those non-science ones, were up 9.7 units. So that's okay. not a huge number. No, but it's you, not. You apply the science and you stay away from the women's dogs favored minus 350 or greater. We're up 49.7 units yeah. 2022. Yeah. That's the system. And how about this? This is a new science. And I don't know if it's something that we want to for sure stick to. And I don't know if it's something you guys trust, but the alternate of science, if you just take the women's dog, women's favorites at minus 350 or better, they're 11 and one this year. You're up 8.28 units on 11 fights. See, like that's just not worth it. I, I tend to agree with you. It's not worth it, but it's proven worth it. That's a wild win rate. And what that tells me more than anything is add it to your parlays. Was the one loss Loopy Godinez? Yeah, it was Loopy yeah. and Angela Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not surprised there. And you could lay that one off easily too. Okay. Quick no, but we got to get you set up with a uh, bet MMA tips page so you can track our uh, women's dogs and we can really delve into those stats of and I what, it, what it looks like on a straw weight versus fly weight versus featherweight, whatever. Yeah. You should do one for you should do one for the science, and you should do a country club Kobe's page. I would love to see casual Kobe getting some action. See if you're plus, maybe you're minus. Who knows? That's the fun part. Okay, quick Tuesday contender series. Um, Yanni the Greek went one for six on plays. His only cash was Farad Bashrat minus two fifteen. Um, his Yanni lock parlay went 0 for 3. I inversed it and won 50 to win 756. So thank you, Yanni. Um, Daniel he's Marcos. An incredible streak. It, no, it's it's honestly, he's 3 and 26 so far this season. Crazy is, impressive at this point. No, it's almost like I'm starting to think that he's the sharpest man in the world and he's intentionally losing because DraftKings sponsors. Like my guess is he's 26 and 3. And he just gives you the opposite of what he's actually thinking. It's all, it's remarkable. Um, especially because, like, I don't know how he has a job because his voice is, like, next to Angela Hill and below Muhammad's for annoying. So, whatever. Daniel Marcos beats Brandon Lewis. Daniel Marcos was the dog. Yanni was on Brandon Lewis. I had Br Daniel Marcos anyway, so it was nice. Bruno Brasil beats Marnie Mar Marnik Mann. Marnik Mann was Yanni's pick. She got head kick KO'd. Bruno Brazil looked great. Both of them went one contracts. Trevor Peak dogged out Malik Lewis. Malik Lewis was Yanni's pick, minus 200. Uh, Malik Lewis looked great in the first round and then just absolutely gassed. And fatigue can make a weak, any man weak. Uh, Trevor Peak took advantage, got the KOTKO, also got himself a contract. Um, this one, uh, Yanni was on the over one and a half. Uh, Ikram. 
uh, Alec Kirikov versus Mario Souza and Ikram. His only loss is to none other than Hamza Chumayev, and he looked phenomenal. Where he stuffed takedowns. What? Where he stuffed takedowns in that Hamza loss. Yeah, he looked let's, good. Let's... He, he lost because he got KO'd, but like he was, he had good moments in that fight. Um, and in this one, he took Souza down and mounted him and got a Kimura, the first ever Tuesday Night Contender Series Kimura. So if you want a two minutes of fun, go back and watch that fight. Yanni didn't have fun, though. He took the over. I took the under. And then Farad Basharat, his brother, Javid Basharat's actually fighting this weekend against our ankle picker, Tony Gravely. So you know where we'll, who we'll be rooting for. But he uh, defeated Alan Bagesso, the unanimous decision. Greek was on Farad Basharat and then Farad Basharat inside the distance. I took a fight to go to decision in the parlay cash. So thank you, Yanni. Huge day. All five winners won contracts. A lot of all, I think Trevor Peak might struggle in the UFC, but Bruno Brazil is going to make a great name for herself. Uh, Ikram is a guy that a lot of people are going to try to duck. And Basharat, uh, 9-0, and but I think him and his brother are going to be a pretty good duo as far as like baseline skills go. So all around this season's been great. It just shows why I think we're going to see that transition from tough to Tuesday Contender Series. Because there's just like, if any of these guys were on a tough season, it'd be a great season. But they're already in the UFC. So like we go with like the next tier lower and you're seeing it within these tough seasons. So I don't know. We'll see. But Tuesday Contender Series is taking off. Country Club. I know you're gearing. Let's hit it. News and notes. Before we go totally off of 279, Nate Diaz obviously fought his last contract with the UFC. He, in his post-fight presser in the octagon still, he was still talking. He wants to go out and dominate another sport. I was watching with Dan, who suggested PFL potentially. I was thinking more along the lines of boxing. But there is some interesting tidbits here and there, and we'll see how that one plays out. Well, PFL, I think, would be this considered. People would be like, oh, he's dominating the same sport. Right. Um, my guess It's is, a lot of fighting. Nate's kind of a guy who hasn't necessarily fought. Well, we that. know that they're debuting the PFL pay-per-view series next year. And that True. fighters True. like Kayla aren't doing a season structure. Fighters like Anthony aren't going to do a season structure. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it leaves a door open for bigger names. Hopefully we can get a media code for that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I was thinking boxing. I also weirdly was thinking like competitive jiu-jitsu. I don't know if that would be something in his realm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, look, Nate. Can More to do- come. We're not done. We're not done with Nate Diaz. I mean, he can even do reality TV. The dude is so fucking hilarious. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, and then for as, as far as his brother goes, uh, I think we've probably seen the last of him, but I know he was commenting that he wanted to fight again too. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, the Diaz brothers will always have their footprint on this sport. That I can guarantee you. Speaking of Dan, I, you mentioned a few names, Kayla Harrison, about who's joining PFL. We had some more PFL news this week. Tiago Santos signed. I hit that. Yeah, I like that signing. Cause I think that the UFC, especially with his injuries and especially with his age, I think the UFC was just a little much for him, but I think he's going to be bringing very excited fights to a lot of game 
PFL fighters who are ready to like stand and bang. I mean, the 205 division for PFL has a lot of guys who want to stand and bang. And, and I think it's going to make for a ton of exciting fights. One more PFL signing, Muhammad Ali's grandson, Biagio Ali Walsh. More yeah, I saw that. Bit. That's to an amateur deal, though. Oh. oh yeah, so I think my guess is obviously his name value, and, and my guess is his foundation's striking. It's a pretty safe bet. And so my guess is they're doing a developmental deal. Um, I don't know. Was PFL the one with the PFL contender series this year? Yep. So I'm guessing he's going to do something like that. Um, I think he'll yeah. fight on the undercard of uh, the the finals that they've got coming up. Or the post limbs. They were doing post limbs potentially. For um, but yeah, that's see PFL from like a business standpoint has been so impressive. I mean, they're getting a lot of these guys at that like early in their careers, and then hopefully they stay have some loyalty and like you just saw it with like um i don't know chris wade is a good one i know he was a bent chris wade was in ufc at one point but i don't know you see a lot of guys returning to pfl even though they have other options and i think it's because pfl is an organization um treats their fighters really well mason jones removed from the ufc yeah. roster pool we saw a tweet from him. It sounds like he has interest in coming back to the UFC, but it's not imminent. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I really want Danny's take on this Danny in the group me today. So I mentioned it cause I was shocked. And then Danny was the one who, who found the tweet or did a little thing and found that Mason Jones tweeted that he, it was kind of a conscious decision. He's fought his contract out and he was no, not interested. So what I really want not to put you on the spot here, Dan, but do you think that his goal is going to be similar to like Patty Pimlet, where he goes back to the cage warriors and just refines his skill? Cause Patty rejected the UFC like two or three times, I think until he was like, okay, I'm ready to, to take this leap. Does Mason Jones take that approach now that he knows what UFC caliber talents like, or do you think that he actually kind of lost confidence in himself and, and kind of wants to step away maybe from the sport and, and go even like, you know what I mean? Like just cause he, I think you I, nailed it with the first one and, and okay. mentioning Patty Pimblett is huge because of that cage warriors connection. Yeah. And I think that this stint, this contract for Mason Jones did not go anything like he expected. And I think he really wants to really build his name back up with the UK and come in with a new set of hype and, and, and really be a reinvented Mason Jones uh, we know he's a lifelong martial artist. We know he's not going to get away from any of it. He's going to keep yeah. training, keep uh, furthering the judo, the striking, all of it. Um, but I do think he's going to want to come back off of a big streak and, and, and try and build his name in a similar sense to Patty. I mean, he was the first double champ after Connor for Cage Warriors to make the crossover to the UFC. And yeah. this, this first contract just really went off the rails. It, it was bad. And I think he oh. wants to put that behind him and really start new. Just go back to the Cage Warriors, maybe grab both his belts again, build up that hype, and then make the jump and then say, I'm, I'm reinvented Mason Jones and look at all the experience I have because of my first stint in the UFC was so poor. And I'm not going to take these banger of a fights that might not be the best matchups for me. And, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll just be a smarter competitor here. And I so hope you're right because Cage Warriors isn't like a, like a, 
brush it off type of caliber talent. Like they have talented, talented fights that go down and there. they sell out arenas. They have yeah. big fans, a huge presence. Yep. There, and there's definitely the ability to build him back way bigger than he was initially uh, for the second stint. And just because I know both Dan and I are so high on Mason Jones, like as a whole, because of how many different disciplines he's mastered, but Mike Davis loss. I mean, Mike Davis is phenomenal. He lost that unanimous decision. Alan Patrick, that was a domination until Patrick took away out with an eye poke. I hate saying took away out, but that one's more evident than anything else. Um, Cause then Patrick would drew Definitely. from their rematch. David Onama unanimous decision win though, but that was on super short notice and Onama drastically outperformed his line. And then the loss to Ludovic Klein was the big one. Um, Ludovic Klein went up in weight and Mason Jones just couldn't get anything off. So currently Mason Jones is 27. His pro MMA records 11 and two. Um, I guess my question would be, and I know it's impossible for you to speculate, but do you still think that let's say a 30 year old return of Mason Jones to UFC can maybe go on a run? Yep. hundred percent. He's, he's on the right side of 30 here. We see yep. guys make their entry to the sport at 30 and really go on a run. I think that Mason Jones has as bigger or as good of a foundation as anyone can hope for. And just for everyone who is wondering, Patty is also 27 and he didn't make his entry to the UFC until he was like 26 and he fought three times um, that year. So it's, he's not, if he goes for this next year or two, he's not that far behind Patty. Um, and his disciplines, in my opinion, are farther ahead than, than Patty. So I'm excited. I, I, I obviously wish the best for Mason Jones. I know both you and I were exceptionally high on him for how well-rounded he is. Um, so hopefully this is the right move for him. Sorry. I know Kobe. I know. I just love Mason Jones. Two more pink slip names, Mickey Gall and Hunter Azure. You're See ya. Good riddance. What was Hunter Azure's deal? I mean, definitely for Mickey Gall. Um, and Hunter was just not a good fighter. Well, the I thing mean. about the thing about Mickey Gall is it sounded like he fought out his contract and that he might resign. Is this true? Does anyone know? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, dude, Azure's already been gone. He had a fight in March of 2022 and he lost in Icon FC2. Isn't Icon, isn't that Jorge Masvidal's? That's a fight pass. Um, oh, it is. I think that that could be it under is. a UFC. It is You're dead right. I don't okay. know. Um, Hani Yaya is out of his fight against Cody Garbrandt. That was supposed to be October 1st. We're looking for a replacement to step in. Um, obviously, that'd be short notice at this point, two weeks And out. you know what, though? If I'm a guy like, I don't know, if my last name is Nurmagomedov, any one of those, I'm jumping in there. That's a, that's a great spot. Um to fight Cody Garbrandt and, and yeah, but capitalize. Do you think Cody takes those fights? I, I mean, Cody's, gonna, Cody's got Cody's the ability gonna, to say no on short notice at this point. What, what kind of on, leash does Cody have with the company? See, that's the, that's the exact thing though, because he doesn't have that much a leaf and he, or leash and he's an ex UFC champion. I think he's taking a fight that he, that's equal to Hani Yaya. I don't think he's looking to take an Umar Nurmagomedov. I mean, he's going to die there, and he's going to get cut. Why would he do that? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think he's holding that many cards anymore. He wants to fight on this card because he's been training for it. 
I hope the UFC does him a little bit more favors than that. I mean, he still is an ex-champ. That would be tough. And Adi Yaya's not anything to stop at either. That wasn't like no, that, he's not. No but, like, but Umar rolls Cody in three minutes. Umar's minus five hundred against Cody. Umar's minus five hundred against anybody because of the name. No, is he minus five hundred well, against anybody that's not with a single digit in front of him? Um, Arnold Allen, Calvin Cater, October 29th, Halloween weekend. Dan, what's your thoughts on Arnold Allen? Love him in this spot, especially. Dan, it's 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 a tough spot for Calvin Cater coming off of a really close and hard fought loss that I thought he won, but I think Arnold Allen wins this fight. May I ask you by how grappling? Yeah. Yep. Sucks too because I love Calvin. I love Arnold Allen too, but I think Arnold Allen lands. I think Arnold Allen lands between seven and ten takedowns that fight. Last piece of news and note. I can see it. Except Arnold Allen didn't look that great against Sadiq. And, like, Cater's a much better stand-up fighter than Sadiq. But, all right, we're getting bogged down. Sorry. Last piece of news and notes. Sean Strickland had a finger injury. Supposed to fight Cannoneer October 15th. That'd be, what, a month from now. Rebooked for December 17th. Same two guys. Okay. So, just delayed that one. Kick the can down the road. Yep. That's it. Let's get into uh, UFC Vegas. Oh, break, wait. Breaking news um, from MMA. It looks like MMA junkie breaking news. It says Marab Davalashvili's the GOAT. You actually had me there for a second. <laughs> I mean, he is the GOAT, so it's not a problem. Um, a tweet was flagged for false information. <laughs> Based on my political views, that's on brand. Okay. Let's get to UFC Fight Night, Sanhagen versus Song. Apex, 3 p.m. Central Time prelims, 6 p.m. Central Time main card. Promotional poster is Sanhagen versus Song. So should we just sing, should we start saying Yudong Song or no? That's a good question. I like Song Yudong more. It, it rolls off the tongue. Okay, so yeah, as Kobe mentioned, 3 p.m. Uh, Central Time, 4 Eastern for the prelims. What'd you say for main card? Six. Six? Okay. Is this a small card? 14 fights? 14 fights. They're going to be in. Oh, so they're right. That's three hours. Sorry. Six central people. Okay. Let's start it off, Dan. And I hope you have a couple good spots here because I've been digging and digging and digging. And I really don't have as many spots as I'd like. So let's start with Dan. Um, First fight, Nicholas Mata against Cameron Von Camp. And the line is Mata minus 195, Van Camp plus 165. Open to Nicholas Mata minus 230. And has and there's no start uh, steep drop, Dan. It's just slowly trickled. Um, so consistent action coming in on the Van Camp sign, side. Floor's yours. Yeah, uh this is a pass for me. This isn't one I'm super excited about. Mata has more experience, um, but really is a lower level lightweight. I don't see the brightest future for him. And on the other side, I'm concerned about Van Camp's chin, especially at 155 after being KO'd up at 170. It's just a tough transition to make. Um, I do think Van Camp has a grappling advantage and probably a slight size advantage being that he's coming down from 170. 
but um, there's nothing that really gets me excited about playing the dog here. Um, even it's just, it's just not neither fighter is a guy I, see, I think is a real contender. So I know it's a little early, especially to be doing this for curtain jerkers, but what about under two and a half minus one fifty? I, I really don't have a strong feeling either yeah. way about, about a total here. Okay. No worries. I just know that both Van Camp got finished and he does have a grappling advantage. I saw that as well. And then Nicholas Mata um, got finished in, I believe it was, oh, it was a right hook actually against Jim Miller. I thought it was a, um, but it was quick. Yeah. Jim Miller was losing the first round too. Right. Or was I mm-hmm. wrong? Yeah. Um, nonetheless, though, I think that actually makes for a pretty decent fight. Ankle picker, Tony Gravel, you know, we will be all over him. He's taken on uh, Javid Bashrat, brother of uh, the guy who just, Farad Bashrat, the guy who just won on Tuesday Contender Series. And the line is honestly shocking to me. Uh, Bashrat minus 165, Tony Gravely plus 140. Dan, there's nothing, and I mean nothing you could say to me to have me lay the chalk on Bashrat, even if you're like, yo, I'm locked in. doesn't matter. Line opened at 110 each way and has just been spiked up to the Bashrat side. But as much as I love Tony, I tried to look objectively at Bashrat, the Trevin Jones fight and his contender series fight. And he is well-rounded. However, and he is well-rounded. I really don't want to take that away from him. However, Power advantage, in my opinion, goes to Tony. Wrestling advantage, in my opinion, goes to Tony. So I'm confused where the where all this steam is coming in on Basra. Based on what I've been uh, hearing when, I, when I'm talking to other people that, that are doing similar stuff that, that we're doing, people are expecting Gravely to make mistakes and, and gas out, which is not something that I've really pegged him for. I mean, I we, we saw him win that whole first round pretty handily um, to make one mistake and, and they, and get knocked out against um, who was it? Nate Maness. Yeah. And that was, that was a tough look, but I didn't really see that as Tony dropping his hands or, or gassing or, or having any kind of cardio issue. Um, and, and yeah, I do see, Basharat is a long, experienced, bantamweight, legit output, dangerous striker. Um, I think this, this could be a lesson in experience for him because Tony yeah, is, 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 is just right there. He's less experienced than Tony. And Tony trains at ATT. And the one thing that I – because I said the same thing about Tony even before we, we interviewed him a couple times and became and became a friend of the pod. Um, and I remember saying like, oh, you know, he, he, his sum- submission defense needs some work or his um, different areas need some work. He proved me wrong in the Simon Oliveira fight and the Johnny Munoz fight. Fight over fight over fight. I've seen massive improvements. I, I don't see how I don't lay the, the plus 145 on Tony. I, I'll be on it too. Um... I'm trying to see if it gets over plus 145. I saw plus 155 earlier. Objectively, I'm laying off. And I love Tony. But, like, objectively, I'm laying off. Minus 110 each way. That's a tough price to pay. But at a dog, for a guy that I think is truly top 15, 
Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. Maria Agapova against Jillian Robertson. And Agapova is plus 115. Jillian Robertson minus 135. Opened at Agapova minus 130. Jillian Robertson plus 110. So it kind of just flipped on its head here. Um, You know, Agapova, I know we we seemingly have talked about her quite a bit. I know she lost to Rena Moros and she had camp issues, I believe. Um, But she has also looked impressive at times but on the other the thing that scares me about this one is Jillian Robertson although her record isn't great at 10 and 7 her experience is there she does a lot of uh, grappling tournaments submission underground I know you're watching those um she beat Priscilla Cachoeira who just had a good win that we were pretty high on um and and has a lot of good experience against tough level competition so I don't hate the line movement here um, in the direction of Jillian Robertson. I'm just laying off because I think I missed it. So I actually like the Agapova side. Um, I do see it as your kind of classic striker versus grappler. And I tend to take the grapplers there, but Agapova showed me she was tough and strong um, against Marina Moroz. And so I think but that she it, lost the grappling exchanges and especially in that Shauna Dobson fight where she was a minus 600, she got smoked on the mat. I just, I still see it. I still see it as uh, the more time that this spends on the feet, the more it's a gap of his fight. And I'm not convinced about Jillian's wrestling. If I was. Mm. So it's a wrestling sure Jillian issue. Would get so, this fight to the mat. I would bet Jillian Robertson. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that it, she can get it there is all I'm saying. Okay. That makes, okay. Cause I was saying like, I was expecting if she lands, let's say two or three take two takedowns in the first round, like it's Jillian's fight to lose. Exactly. Exactly. I'm so, not sure she can get it there. So let me ask you a better question then. Is this a gut feeling or is this like a tracked play? Um, it's too early. I don't have anything tracked. I might on fight day. Uh, but I, I do think that Jillian doesn't get this one to the ground. I think she struggles here. Let me ask you a question. If someone comes fight day and they want to see official plays, where do, where do they go? That's a great question, Reese. I will tweet out my entire card as I do every week, but also you can get my picks directly right when I post them in real time at betmma.tips. I'm Dan K wagers. Same as my Twitter handle. Um, and we're green over there. Follow those wow. picks. It is a, it is a very green area i mean it is i i was starting to think they invented green over at dank wagers better than may tips i just spent a couple weeks in ireland danny's better made that tips page greener way greener yeah and ireland does green and and danny's better than May tips is greener so head over yeah, there this year on saint patrick's day i just wore my uh my betting history <laughs> and on top of that plays will also be available at ankle pick pod as always on wherever you get your media Trey Ogden, prelim fight against Daniel Zelubar. And Zelubar is making his UFC debut coming off the contender series. And Trey Ogden, we've seen, I believe, once against Jordan Levitt. And the line for this bad boy is Daniel Zelubar minus a whopping 320. Trey Ogden plus 265. It opened at Zelubar minus 240. And again, it, there was no massive bets that came in. It's just been a slow, steady grind um, in favor of Zellabar's, almost like a straight X axis going. So a heads up for uh, 
our, our listeners that have access to multiple books over on betway.com right now. You can still grab Zell Huber at minus 275. I threw three units at it this morning. I love him in this spot. He's a really, really legit prospect. I, I, I want to set the alert, set the alarm, whatever, ring the Hamzat bell. This guy, I, I want to bookmark for real top five, top 10 potential within the next two years. Um, he, he's, he's the kind of guy that he's got Mexican toughness, uh, one of the awesome, awesome fight against undefeated yeah. Lucas Almeida on the contender series, then went for three months out to Tiger Muay Thai to train out, train with those Russians and, and fucking Thai strikers, the best in the world has since moved to extreme couture and is working directly with Eric Nixick, who has pegged him as like one of the top guys in the gym. This is not just a, a player in extreme couture. This is a guy who's leading those uh, training sessions and is really just pushed himself head and shoulders above the rest. And in Ogden, a guy, if you're losing striking exchanges with Jordan Levitt, I have no faith in you. I think Zell Huber is going to smoke him. I see a knockout. I've, I'm big on Zell Huber. I like him straight. I like him in parlays. I like him inside the distance. This is a guy to really, really pay attention to. Has James Krause said anything about this fight? I don't know, but it's a good Trey question. Ogden fights uh, out of glory. It's and, and that's really what the only worry is, is if Ogden can have six, seven minutes of top control time, this is a bad bet. But yeah. and, and Zalabar is only 23 years old. But again, Lucas Almeida. Nasty. Lost to Zalabar in the contender series. Comes into the UFC um, off. I think he fought one more regional fight. Comes into the UFC, beats Mike Trezano, who's not an easy out by any means. So Zalabar's contender series competition arguably might be a tougher fight than this one. It, it's possible. I, 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 don't, I, I agree. The other thing too, Dan, that I love, uh, Zell, Zell Huber got a um, fucking calf slicer a couple fights yeah. ago. Yeah, no, he's, a, he's an absolute legend. Yeah, you he's don't so see well-rounded. He's scary on the feet. Like you said, he can pull off calf slicers. The jiu-jitsu's there. Tiger Muay Thai, extreme couture. This guy, he checks all of the boxes for me. You can tell how excited I am. Yeah. So look for Zell Huber here in a spot. And Dan was right on Hamzat. He's I don't doubt it's going to be right here. Keep a close eye on this kid for years to come. Oh, another one of a fan favorite for Dan. Loma Lukianbumi is taking on Denise Gomez at 115. Luma needs a 105-pound atom weight, but nonetheless, she's game with the Muay Thai. And Luma out here looking like a minus 205 favorite. Denise Gomez plus 175. Lined opened at Luma minus 275. And again, just a constant steam on, on Gomez, Denise here. Um, so the line's a little bit more favorable. I mean, my big take here, Dan, is I don't know that much about Denise Gomez outside of her contender series fight that happened this year. Um, I wasn't overly impressed by any means. I think that what carried her is just how much blood fresh blood this UFC women's division needs. Um, on the other side though, Luma again is someone that I know we like because stylistically like her Muay Thai is awesome. And who doesn't love to see someone who's just game to throw knees and elbows. But I do worry that she gives up size in so many of her fights. Um, 
I just wonder if that's going to be an issue here. So I don't think it is. And uh, one of y'all might have to hold me back come Saturday morning because I <laughs> might place a straight woman's favorite. Loma Lugbome. That fits the science, no less. If, so you're fading the science here. If it keeps to steam the way it's steaming and there becomes a one in front of this, oh my gosh, it might be too enticing to stay away from. Uh, you're, you're right, Reese, that she gives up size. She won't be giving it up to Denise. Denise is not a big woman. Um, mm. she, the size is not something I'm concerned about. And then this is a perfect fight for Loma to get her Muay Thai off. Denise is a boxer. She will not look to grapple zero. She won't, she will not look to clinch. She's lost in the clinch. Uh, the more inside the pocket that Loma stays and, and the more she clinches up, she is going to dominate with those knees and elbows. I, I really am excited for this fight. And I'm not sure what the public or whoever is seeing on Gomez. Maybe they're just all playing science, but I think Loma really looks impressive here. And I think there's a reason why she opened it almost a 300 favorite being a undersized straw weight. That She's only given up one inch in height and an inch and a half in reach. That is going to be a remarkably tough night at the office for Denise Gomez, dude. She, she's a boxer. She throws loopy punches. She does not. She doesn't kick. She doesn't like to clinch. Loma Loma's going to grab her and knee her for 15 minutes straight. It's going to be so fun. Wow. Wow. Well, that's going to be a banger on the undercard. A couple more prelims to get the Raspin lads. Sarah McMahon. Um, science. Might continue with that fight. That's just a what the heck fight. Aspen Lad minus 140. Sarah McMahon plus 120. Aspen Lad opened at plus 155, and the line has flipped. A lot of action came early, though. Uh, this got instantly smashed. I mean, we know what Sarah McMahon brings elite, elite level wrestling, but she's 41 years old and has struggled to really with not only fight IQ, but also submissions, losing to Marion Hanau, Ketlin Vieira, Juliana Pena. Um, her wrestling's incredible, but the question is, can a girl like Aspen Ladd, who's fallen on tougher times, uh, instant knockout to Durand Manami, lost to Norma Dumont, lost to Raquel Pennington, is she able to get the submission work off? We've never seen it. I, I don't believe she can. I kind of like Sarah McMahon as a dog, but that's also partially science. Am I really looking to bet a 41 year old wrestler with bad fight IQ? No. Um, I won't be touching this one, yeah. but you, you laid it out. Aspen lad is not someone I have any faith in, especially at a favorite price. McMahon, if she was three years ago, but the exact same skill level, it just didn't say 41. I'd probably better as a, as a favorite. She better, she'd be up as a favorite, but it's just not what i want to do with my night we'll see i mean this fight's gonna be a grab of the beer go to the bathroom i think sarah mcmahon just drags on her um if it stays standing aspen's gonna crush her if it hits the mat i don't think aspen's gonna have anything for her. uh i think mcmahon at the dog price is is a playable angle and i think if you sit on it it'll probably get a little bit even better of a price uh come fight night but that's where my head's at i agree with dan though i think you're best just laying off this Trevin Giles, an ankle pick fade, is taking on Luis Cosi, a guy who Dan was, I believe you liked, and then he gassed, and now you hate. Um, but Trevin Giles is minus 210, and Luis Cosi is plus uh, 180. You know, this Reese, it's even simpler than that. It wasn't even that he gassed. It, it, we loved him because he and his brother were going to come on the podcast, and then he blew us off twice and then gassed. 
Yeah. So, so the skill level wasn't there and, and the, the person side was also not there. So Man, not the hugest Kosi brother fan over here. Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, lost uh, Sasha Platnovic at Plat- Platnikov as a heavy favorite, gassed out. He was game in that fight. It just really the gas tank failed him. Now he's looking to take on Trevin Giles here. I do think, though, Dan, the line is mispriced. I will say that. Um, the line hasn't moved much from open, but I don't believe Trevin Giles should be minus 210 here. I think Kosi is gives you a better shot than a 180 dog, especially because I feel like Giles is going to lean on that wrestling, and I feel like Kosi's wrestling is up to snuff. Um and they might just stand and bang. I, I think a finish is likely here. Like fight not to go to decision um, is probably a pretty decent lay too. Lines minus 163 that it doesn't. Um, but I'll, I, I mean, feel free to take the floor here. That's my only reads on it. No, I agree. We, we talk about it a lot more with heavyweights, but Trevin Giles is a guy who just should not see a two in front of his name. I don't care who he's fighting. Yeah. Especially UFC level. Like, I, assuming Kosi went back to the drawing board, worked on his cardio a little bit. He's 27 years old. You can easily. Well, you know him. that him and his brother have been still constantly training. Uh, they're, at, they're with Syndicate MMA, which is a great, great gym. gym. We yeah. saw his brother fight, I want to say, two months ago. So it's not like it's not like they're not taking the sport seriously. They know what their hole was. Um yeah. And they're got to be working towards fixing it. it. I think that the Shasha Palatnikov fight where he gassed, that was the first time in his entire history he'd been in a second round. Yeah. So I, I can't really hold that against him. If you're just dominating and dominating round one, round one, round one, round one, all of a sudden you see a round two and then a round three, that's tripling your fight time. I, I have to assume that the long layoff in between is geared towards fixing that and covering that, that hole. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you look at a guy like Trevin Giles too, he, I don't know if he's training full-time now. He wasn't for a really long time. He was a, he was a cop and he would train part-time. Um, he's, he's had good wins. Roman Delice is the one that really comes to mind for me, even though it was that one. Of- I, I don't want to sit here and say like Trevin Jones or Trevin Giles, beat Roman Delize. Roman, Roman Delize rolled for heat hood, heel hooks and beat himself. He's like, yeah, here, Roman take top Delize position. Beat Let, Roman punch me in my face from top position, please, sir. Yeah. Roman Delize beat Roman Delize in that one. But like James Krause, for example, took that fight on like fucking a week's notice and split decision win. Like, I'm not freaking out about that. Um, but losses to Zach Cummins, losses to Gerald Mershart, and then KOs to Michael Morales and Duplassis, even though those guys are killers. Um, I don't know. I like the value here on uh, on the side of, of Kosi. I don't think I play it, though, because I don't trust him. Um, but something worth mentioning, I think, I think that is the better side of this fight. Uh, oh, Dan, you like this one on set the spread, even though it didn't make the main card. This is the prelim main event. Pat Sabantini versus Damon Jackson at 145. And Damon Jackson is plus 155. Pat Sabantini's minus 180. Lined opened at Pat Sabantini minus 225. So it's going in the way of Damon Jackson a little bit. Um, not much, but a little bit. 
I know you were on the Sabatini side. I believe want to elaborate more. I mean, this is in the grappling wheelhouse. Definitely. Yeah. Sabatini's one of those guys that he might not be a fan favorite, but he's not really in there to make friends. He, he, he fights his style, which is a little bit boring at times, but he's a dominant wrestler with a really strong top position. He's a position over submission guy. So he's not always selling out to end a fight or try and get a choke, but he doesn't want to give you an inch. And, and he really, really wears on you. Um, and a guy like Damon Jackson, who is a good grappler in his own right, is just not on the same level as Pat for me. And so, I mean, obviously there's a chance that the grappling gets canceled out and that this is a striking match and that'd be a little bit sketchy. Um, but even then, Damon did not look great against Damon or Dan Argetta, uh, a fight that he really should have run through. Um, I see Pat Sabatini having upwards of four takedowns in this fight, probably two or three in the first round, um, winning 10 minutes pretty unanimously and getting it done. I think that if this line creeps just even a little bit under that 180, I'll, I'll jump on it. Okay. Yeah. And that is all I need to hear for me to want to be on Pat Sabantini if Danny's hopping on in Greensville. I Main was hoping car- that this was going to be one that you guys looked at for lock. Really? It could be. It could be. I'm fine with, so far, Dan, Pat Sabantini's looking enticing, and Zell Huber inside the distance. Not sure what that line is, but I could easily get behind that. And then, obviously, Tony Gravely is on jaw. Okay, main card. Anthony Fluffy Hernandez making his long-awaited return after subbing the GOAT. Oh, no, he fought Josh Friend. My bad. Adolfo Vieira sub, then Josh Friend. Now he's taking on Mark Andre Barriolt, uh, in the main card kicker here. And Mark Andre Barriolt plus 155. Anthony Hernandez minus 180. Lined open at Anthony Hernandez minus 150 and has just come up um, ever so. It just keeps inching a little, little by little. I'm really intrigued on your take here, Dan, because I'll, I know he just subbed. Um, Vieira, which obviously we know it's just a gas fluky thing. And he obviously friend is massive and he went to unanimous decision with friend. On the other side though, Mark Andre burial is like confusing beats a boo at, uh, as a tier loses to Jung young park beats Dolce Lungi Bula loses Chidi and Jukawani. I don't know what Mark Andre burial is going to bring to the table other than he's looking to stand and bang. He's got good stand up. He, but it's killer be killed for him. Anthony Fluffy Hernandez is a little bit more technical, but he's an undersized middleweight. Um, lost to guys like Marcus Perez via Anaconda choke. Marcus Perez is on the regional scene. I don't know what to make of this, Dan. I don't – this one – I think I like me some Fluffy here. And it, I'm not really – con- yeah, I'm not really holding a lot of weight in that Adolfo fight. It's the Fremd one that you mentioned yeah. I don't think I've seen a better version of Fluffy Hernandez. And I think that if he can come out there and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I want to say he landed five, six takedowns. If he can come out there and put on that kind of performance, I see MAB just on his butt a lot. And the pressure, re- the pressure wrestling of Fluffy is really great. And the reason, the only thing I'll say about the Adolfo fight, because it was fluky and cardio based, but it was cardio based. And so I'm really, really confident that Anthony Hernandez can turn on the gas 
and go takedown, takedown, takedown for 10 minutes and then still have gas in the fifth for the final five. Yeah. I mean, if he can land the takedown, you're right. I do worry though. Like, do you think he's going to engage in a firefight with burial or do you think he's, I hope not. Fluffy's not a guy that you can be super confident in a game plan. Um, but I, I really hope not. I, that would not be the path of least resistance for him. Underratedly, though, number 23 ranked middle, middleweight worldwide. That one kind of took me. Tanner Bozer versus Rodrigo Nascimento. And this line took both Dan and myself back on set the spread. But it's come down, Dan. It's come down. Tanner Bozer now sits at minus 170. Nascimento uh, plus one forty five. So I think a lot of people who listen to set the bread, uh, set the spread, smash that. The line actually jumped night of, like the next day following set the spread. Uh, I'm but not it, surprised. Oh, it really is in a better spot now. Yeah, it, it did not make any sense. No, Bozer opened at minus two twenty. Nascimento plus one eighty five. Now Bozer sits at, at one seventy. I remember both Dan and I both rubbed our eyes at that one. Two twenty is a lot for a guy who struggled against. The likes of forty-five-year-old uh, Alan Bado, no, yeah, Arlovsky Bado. It's yeah. it's a tough spot because I do think that Tanner Bozer has the qualities to beat Nascimento. He's got the speed. He's a better striker. He's got the cardio. It's. A, it, I honestly think that he got a little bit robbed um, in that uh, Arlovsky fight. I thought I thought he won that, but it's just tough to play these heavyweights when you know one punch can end it all. And we saw it against Jake Collier or the, in the Jake Collier, Chris Barnett fight. It, it can go like that to you're confident, you're confident, you're dominating. And all of a sudden there's a 300 pound guy in your back and he's hidden like a truck. It, 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 it may, it, it's a sport that makes no sense at the heavyweight level. And so I won't be playing Bozer. I'll admit the steam on Nascimento or the steam closer to even is enticing. And maybe if it gets to like 150, 140, I'll, I'll have to play it. But right, I, I'm not excited about playing juice on any heavyweights. That's the trend that I've been noticing. Yeah, the farther it goes in that direction, it gets more and more enticing. But 220 was clearly a missed line there. So I'm glad it's adjusted accordingly. Alain, Allen. Amadovsky is taking on Joseph Pfeiffer. And the line here is Pfeiffer minus whopping 460. Amadovsky plus, plus 370. Line opened at Pfeiffer minus 300 and has just gotten annihilated. Um, I mean, Dan, take, take the floor here because we got a newcomer in Amadovsky. And, oh, he's not a newcomer. He's actually no, on a yeah, fight he's, UFC he's losing streak. Yeah. Um, Oh boy. And then Joseph Pfeiffer, on the other hand, uh, is the newcomer coming off his contender series win against Ozzy Diaz. Wow, though, Dan. Wow. Yeah. The, the fact that this fight's up on the main card is a little bit ridiculous. But obviously, Joe Pfeiffer impressed the shit out of Dana when uh, week one of contender series was a dud. And then he had what well, I think it was just a comeback win. To me, he didn't look like he was a world beater in there. Um, but the B Joe Pfeiffer phrase came out and obviously he got the respect of the UFC brass because they're giving him the Amadovsky treatment, a guy who I think might be the worst rostered fighter in the UFC. I think that's so it, it, it's a really, really tough spot because I think a guy making his debut off his contender series 
should never be minus 400, especially a guy like Joe Pfeiffer, who is not elite in any single discipline. He's not like a crazy grappler. He's not a crazy dangerous striker. Um, He's not a guy who I have like bookmarked for top five contender anytime soon. But I, I, I mean, I, I think Dana was pissed off on the, on the night that he got his contract and now Joe Piper's in the good graces of the UFC. So I think he should beat Amadovsky handily. Hopefully he does it quickly and in, in dominant fashion. So we get a similar line against a real fighter, but this is as much of a pass as I could ever find it. It is unproven with a giant, giant line against terrible, really low level fighter. No need for me to even elaborate. Like I'm really not even gonna, there's no, I mean, I, I have nothing to add other than you can't touch. Like if you gun to my head, like minus minus one ten each way, I'd smash Pfeiffer. But like the, if you're laying Pfeiffer at minus, I don't know 10, if I would like, even smash it. Like I'd be so nervous. Just like, what has this guy shown me? Is he good at anything? I'm right, not even sure. Like, if I'm you're laying, just sucks. Yeah. If you're laying Pfeiffer minus four sixty, holy shit balls. You got a set of meats, meat, meat, knockers between your legs dan i i hate to admit it dan this one is something i've been eyeing all week as a potential ankle lock here andre touchy feely taking on bill algio at 145 touchy feely's minus 125 bill algio plus 105 line opened i'll let you take the reins so andre feely opened at plus 140 bill algio minus 160 and unfortunately i agree with the steam um I think this is a buy low on Andre Feely. You're looking at a guy in Bill Algio, who I believe, yeah, he's won two in a row. Joe Anderson Brito's an amazing win. Herbert Burns is a good win, although Herbert Burns gave up on himself there. And, and you know, wins the Spike Carlisle. I, I mean, he's, he's had a good showing so far in the UFC. Andre Feely, though, is a guy who has fought like the upper, upper echelon of talent inside the UFC. He's come off tough times for sure. I'm not going to deny that. He's lost to Bryce Mitchell, Joe Anderson, Brita. Um, and then he had an accidental eye poke that did that was tough for Daniel Pineda. But we're talking about a guy who's had a mainstay in the UFC, although none of his wins, in my opinion, are like amazing. Like whenever he gets to that upper echelon or that like cusp, he he struggles. But like he's beating guys like Charles Jordan, guys like Shaman Marais, Miles Jury a couple of years ago, um, Dennis Bermudez. I know it's a while ago, but those are names. And I just think that we're getting value on him here. And the, we obviously lost a lot of value. Plus 140 was much better value. And I wish I was looking into it. I think I was waiting for set the spread. Um, but you, you have a guy here who, although he trains a team alpha male, which is something I refuse to back, which is killing me. Um, I think you have to, the more talented mixed martial artist. I really do. And Bill Algio heads his own gym. Um, he's the head coach. He's training with, you know, people around him. Uh, Andre Feely's getting all the wrestling work in, all the grappling work in, is a phenomenal striker. I think 125 is enticing, and that's coming from a guy who's perennial fade team alpha male. Yeah, I, what sold it for me really is that the Algeo takedown defense stats are egregiously bad. And they're egregiously bad because I consider him as a good grappler, but he's a guy who is so willing to just accept hit the back position or accept bottom position 
because he thinks his jujitsu might be a little bit pegged better than it is. And touchy-feely is going to be able to mix in takedowns here. I, I believe it in that. I, th- I think it'll, it'll help him win rounds um, pretty significantly. Uh, but I also think he has this ex- pretty extreme advantage on the feet. My, the yeah, thing no, that, 100%. Yeah, the thing that upsets me is just I missed the value here. Um, it opened at plus 145. That line is a smash. Uh, but I, I still think you can squeeze a little bit more juice out of the lemon at 125. Um, I think you can play it all the way up to maybe like 140, 150. And then outside of that, uh, values lost. Co-main event, Chidi and Chukwani versus Gregory Rodriguez at 185. Chuk's been on an absolute tear. Line is Chukwani minus 125. Gregory Rodriguez plus 105. Chukwani opened at minus 145. It's come down a little bit. Uh, it's kind of been mixed where the actions come, but ultimately it's been on the the... Uh, Gregory Rodriguez side. I remember we talked a little bit about this on set the spread, Dan, but take the reins. You know, I like the, the hobo cop side, the more yeah, that I, I, I look at it. That, yeah. And part of it is that uh Petrosian fight that although it was a loss showed me that Gregory is capable of striking and striking toe to toe with the best strikers in the world at, at his weight class. Um, and I really think Njokuani has to land a nuke and land a nuke early to win this. I don't see him winning a decision, and I don't see him being able to – although on paper both of them are, are black belts, I think that Hadhigas is just yeah, that, yeah. way head and shoulders better uh, if it becomes grappling at all. Um, Especially in MMA grappling, not to cut you off, but that's something no, 100%. I've in some of Chukwani's older fights – when the grappling exchanges, although he is a, a a black belt, and I don't want to take anything away from that, I think Rodriguez is more refined in like the MMA grappling space as well as just jits in general. But and sorry, opposite dude. of Sabatini, Rodriguez is a guy who is really fun to watch, but doesn't always have the best game plan for your money. I don't think that should be an issue here because, like I said, Njokuani is going to come after him and come for his head. We've got a little bit of recency bias on a guy who. It's kind of a middling middleweight, if I'm going to be honest. Obviously, he's got four um, knockout wins in a row in the first couple of rounds, but it, it's it's not at the same level that uh, Hobocop is. I really believe that. Yeah. We honestly might – like, this is one of those things in hindsight you look back, and this might be just a deal on Gregory Rodriguez here because of the instant success in Chukwani's had – knocking out Todorovic one minute, Marc-Andre Burial 16 seconds. He's had a ton of success really quickly here. Um, this might be a, a buy, a, a, a sell sell high, you know what I mean, on Chukwani and getting Rodriguez as the slight dog here, um, assuming the line doesn't move more. Main event time, baby. And this is what all the marbles are here for. Danny and I disagreed on set the spread and Honestly, got into it a little bit. Corey Sandhagen versus Yudong Song. Song Yudong. 6 feet 10 in Bantamweight. And the line is Corey Sandhagen minus 190. Song Yudong plus 160. Lined opened at Sandhagen minus 160 and has come up. It's seen as high as minus 210 and has come back down. Danny was so sure there was minus 200 in it. I was sniffing this line. Danny, my question is to you. 
Has your opinion changed at all? Or do you think this is Sandhagen's fight to lose? I really do think it's Sandhagen's fight to lose. And I guess my opinion's changed a little bit because I don't think that it's an obvious two in front of it, but I do think there's value up till the two. Um, We've seen Sandhagen in multiple five round fights against the top, top talents that the division has to offer. We've seen him leave both of those fights with more output thrown and landed um, against more dangerous guys than song. In my opinion, I mean, TJ and Piotr Jan are the top of the top. It, it's Corey's biggest hole for a while was his grappling defense. And he's taken a lot of time off to work on that work with team elevation, work with Kamaru. Um, and I think that he's still at that highest level of bantamweight in that top three while Song Yudong at what, 24, 25 years old has the potential to be there and be there for a while. He's not there yet. And mm-hmm. I really do think that he's going to have a lot, a lot of trouble being a counter puncher, um, having any success landing against a guy who's as active and has as much output as Corey and is as long and as sharp and as accurate as Corey. I mean, I talk about that flying knee against Frankie Edgar a ton because I hold it in higher regards than the Hori Mosfidal one. And that's, that's a take that I get clowned upon a little bit for, but that accuracy is next level. And I really think Corey Sandhagen, although he's on a two fight skid is still on that upper echelon of bantamweight fighters that song is hoping to get to, but not there yet. I mean, I really don't have a whole bunch to add because of how much I agree that Sandhagen is that tier and song. Yudong needs to prove more that he's that tier. He's not there quite yet. Can I ask you an, an let me ask you an interesting approach here. Sandhagen live. I really think Song Yudong puts it on him early. I, I worry that minus 200 is not the best line you'll get on Sandhagen. But I'm I not do... so sure about that. Really? Uh, I don't have the scorecards or stats in front of me, but if I'm remembering correctly, I think Sandhagen won, if not both, at least one of the first two against Piotr. And it was just Piotr's relentless pressure that ended up catching up with Corey. And yeah. even though Corey had the output, it was the the – bigger shots and, and more power of Piotr landing Song in later Yon, rounds. Song Yon Yon has never been in a five-round fight. His, he's never been in a five-round fight. Never his been last in a five-round fight. Fights, his last two fights actually ended in the first round or two. Um, hmm. And the, the last time he was in, uh, the last three times he was in a fight into the third round, Casey, Kenny, Kyler Phillips, Chio so Vera, he lost those third rounds. I, I was going to ask. Did you tape the Casey Kenny fight or do you just know from the scorecards? Did he look notably fatigued going into it's those? It's not that he looks fatigued. Obviously, Cheeto Vera turns up in the third. Right. Kyler was just I'm, more, I'm, I'm focusing more on the Casey Kenny fight because of high. He was chasing high. a little bit. I, I think that he's. we're going to see him chasing Corey uh, the longer that this fight goes. And a counterpuncher in song who's going to take three to, to land two has to get off early. It, it's just, you can't start chasing. I mean, you know me, Dan. You don't need to pitch my nipples and serve me a milkshake to get me to fade Team Alpha Male. I'm all in on adding Sandhagen to multiple parlays. Um, I guess my last question before we wrap up here, is it safe to place now? It's under 200. You can get it minus 190 a lot of places. Or are you waiting? Do you think the value comes down even more? 
I think I grabbed it at plus or minus 180, right? So it is an official taping. play? Official it's play? It's an official play. I think okay. I have it at two units minus 180 right now. That's all you need. Two, man, Dan's got some units flowing. So I think the the if we could ankle lock parlays, it would be Sandhagen and, and Zellubar. And so I love that. Um, yeah, you know what? I love that play. Right? <laughs> Going to add that to play. my card. Okay. So to find all of our official plays, go to Ankle Pick Pod. We add, we'll add our track play uh, links into our bio. Dan's at Dank Wagers on bettips.mma. Country Club Kobe, as always, keeping us honest and timely. Kobe, sign us off here on this weekend of San Diego. Give us a deep one, really like in the belly. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.